0: This is Lost in the Groove. And I'm Mike.
1: I'm Dave.
0: We hippies have come together to spark change.
1: So together, we give you our society and culture podcast. So with that... Let's get funky and let the intro music play, baby. So, uh... We are back with another tribe. Uh, we have someone from the Modoc Nation. Um, her name is Gina. She's going to be our guide of the Modoc people uh, so we can learn more about this tribe, how we can help out, and more importantly, remember Native American culture and history. So without further ado, uh, welcome, Gina, to Lost in the Groove. Thanks for oh. having me. It's great to have you on. Uh, so if you want to just introduce yourself to our listeners, um, so they know who you are, know about the the tribe.
2: Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, my name is Gina McGehe, and I am with the MoDoc Nation of currently Oklahoma, but we actually originated in the Northern California region. And uh, of course, through the Indian Relo- Relocation Program, or <laughs> here we are in Oklahoma now. But uh, let's see, what can I tell you? Very small, probably one of the smaller tribes in the country. Um, We were probably, well, before our federal recognition in the later 70s, we were maybe around 30 people, quite frankly. And today we're around 550 members. So I think we've grown a little bit. Um, Some members have found their way through the magic of 23andMe you know, folks doing that and finding out, hey, I've got a little ancestor here. Let's figure out where it comes from. So we have found some members that way. Um, let's see, what else can I can tell you? My grandfather was Vernon Dutch Walker, and he was one of the original um, folks that continued the effort to become federally recognized. He, he wasn't actually the person that did it. That was Bill Follis, but he was somebody that had a great deal to do with contributing to that and keeping that possibility alive in a time where really being Native American wasn't exactly uh, encouraged, probably the best way to put it. Um, We're just a really easygoing crowd, um, pretty dry sense of humor, genuine. And I, th- and I think I can say that across the board. I mean, we all have exceptions. We've all got different members of the family that represent different characteristics. But by and large, we're just a pretty genuine, easygoing, happy group that um am innovative, very resourceful, and uh, which is true, or we wouldn't still be here. We've, we've more than stood the test of time
0: right i uh, i was doing some extensive reading uh some of what you mentioned came up to and um it is quite remarkable uh the the many uh atrocities and difficulties that um uh, the tribe went through over mm-hmm. the course of like 150 years or so um and uh that was something i came across too about 20 to 30 members came out of it uh towards the end when there was allotments being um uh, uh, being provided by the federal government. And I guess this was maybe around the same time of the recognition, uh, give or take it, uh, it is amazing to hear. And, uh, I want to say, uh, makes me really, I, I don't know if I want, I wouldn't say necessarily, uh, it makes me happy. It does make me happy to hear that you guys have been able to grow up to, uh, up to 500 now, and is that uh, has that been sustainable? is the growth continuing? Um, do you foresee it continuing to to reach maybe a thousand someday or
2: that's hard to say i I think that there's obviously a possibility of that um, most of the tribal members I think have kind of found their way, but you know what we could be surprised. I don't know what the future holds if you'd have told me in the late seventies, early seventies when I was in you know right between the ages of six and 10 years old that we would be this bigger group. I would have been surprised. In fact, I just thought this was just how native tribes were. Um, But in in that area, we were, we were just, we were always just 30 people. We had, and I tell the story, we had lawnmowers, gas cans, and snacks. And that was, that was our meeting. That was our powwow. That was our council. I mean, we were just 30 people who took care of our cemetery. And that was, and we would get together every two weeks in the summer and we would work hard and we would spend a whole day together, just having a good time talking and, uh, you know, and then in the non-mowing season of the year, we would get together whenever we could. Sometimes that was for a funeral. Sometimes that was for a wedding. Sometimes it was for an anniversary. Um, And it was dependable. I mean, we were, we were, we were always a reliable group of people. And we had, I won't, how to put it, we were content that we had each other. And, and I think that you, you would still find that, that we, we have a contentment. You know, yes, we have opportunities. Yes, we have benefits. Yes, we have programs. But more than that, we're very content with having each other. Um, and we can walk into a room where there is one more person, we can walk into the room where there is hundreds more tribal members. And I think that overall there is that feeling of just glad to have each other. And um not, nothing nothing fancy. I mean, we're intelligent, plenty of people with uh, ambition, plenty of people with entrepreneurship skills, plenty of people with education at all levels. But at the end of the day, we just seem to be deep down neighbors and neighborly to each other. Um, and I don't ever remember anything else, truthfully. Um, it's just, Yeah, I think so. And I, I really always thought, you know, when I was a kid growing up, I would tell my friends, you know, they'd say, well, what did you do this week? And so, well, we went out to the cemetery and we spent the day out there and they just look at me like, well, what did you do? was so, hung out. We played, we worked, we ate and spent the day. And uh, I just thought that's how everybody grew up. And it was a simple, simple matter of taking care of our own, taking care of uh, those that had gone before us. And I mean, I can remember kids that, that took their first, first steps out there. I can remember, you know, elders that was were there to mow one week and being buried the next. I can remember just the laughter, I think more than anything else, I remember the laughter um and not at each other but with each other um just I to me, like I said, I thought everybody grew up that way, and when I found out they didn't, I really was, was, was well, what then what, what would anybody do on a Saturday or a Sunday in the summer
1: yeah so. it it's it's so fascinating because. You know, unfortunately in this country there is this wash of all Native American tribes the same. And unfortunately it's been done to the because of the brainwashing, because of Hollywood, because of media. And the truth is, each tribe is one story after the other, one painful story, one beautiful story. And the beauty is it's different. It's unique. It's special. You know, your experience with your tribe shows how incredible your nation is celebrating the dead family being neighborly mm-hmm. being there for to being there for each other it's unique
2: it is i, I it's unique and i think even more so i mean i can remember and again i was you know in 1974 i was 10 years old and i can remember even then you weren't really supposed to talk about being Indian or Native American. That just wasn't, that wasn't supposed to happen. It wasn't a good idea. Um, my grandfather, I think really, obviously he grew up with the fear of what it meant to himself and to his family to own that ancestry and to own that heritage. Um, you know, there was a time when he couldn't, there were, there were certainly places where he couldn't drive. Um, even, I think, in 1940s, uh, he made a trip with his brother-in-law, who was not Native American, who was you know definitely, um, and not to be disrespectful, but they, in a jokingly manner, would always refer to him as the token white guy in the family, because he, he could drive anywhere, and go and walk into any store, and it was okay. But my grandfather couldn't. And so they would drive from a little town in southwest Missouri to... Northern California to put the kids on the roll in in that area in hopes that someday that we would be a federally recognized tribe again. And had they not done that, we would not be a federally recognized tribe today. But that was just, you know, that was a trip they made. And I'm sure there are lots of stories we didn't hear. <laughs> but there were some we did. Uh, I don't remember any of them, but uh, that I remember them talking about making that trip. And they would do it every year um, that a child had been born in that family in that generation.
0: It's important to uh, to take those steps, especially when you have such a rich heritage um, going back so far, trying to, to keep it alive. And it makes sense, it, uh, though none of us can really uh, imagine the difficulties of uh, trying to own that heritage in whether it's the 40s or the 50s or the 70s. And um, kind of crazy to think it took that long to be um, finally recognized as a tribe, um, considering how far back uh, the uh, the Modak nation had been around. And uh, we have had the pleasure of speaking with some other tribes too the past few weeks. and um, it's it's very consistent. the you know, the land grabs, the um, the the aggressive um, actions towards natives at that Butchering. time.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it, it's uh there was definitely a pattern there uh which I mean even through a lot of my reading had me baffled I just couldn't believe um the the level of um cruelty that that was going on uh back then and I thought to myself I was talking to my wife earlier as I was explaining some of the things I had uh I had learned uh through uh the journey of research um I told her you know it's funny enough that we really haven't changed much as, um, as, uh, as a species,
3: you know, know, yes,
0: yes, yes. We have, we have technology, we kind of communicate better, but the, uh, the ever growing desire to take from, from each other, uh, still exists. Um, now, you, know, you said you remember some, and this is where I find the most interest, especially from uh, the great conversations, the meaningful conversations we've had uh, with other tribe members, is um, asking about some of the stories that we may not have access to. Like Google may not give us everything. I was on the Modak Nation uh, uh, website, and uh, sometimes what, uh, what we can see there is um, – due to time constraints and how much you can condense on a page. Uh, so that's kind of like where I, I would want to kind of steer in, in the direction of is any, any stories that you might know of while you're growing up that um, may not have come up stories that were passed on uh, through, uh, through elders talking about uh, history and, and, and the like.
2: No, you know, um well, let me let me help you with one thing. It's it's Modoc, not Modoc. Mo-Doc. Mo-Doc. Forgive me. And it's fine. It happens. Um, that's the sad part. In order to keep their children safe, there were generations that 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 left the language behind, that left the culture behind, that left the traditions behind. And and I specifically remember that about my grandfather. What I do remember is that there were. Um, heirlooms he had of his mother's and he his mother died while he was in the war and uh and he didn't know that he came home from war to find out that she had been buried and he you know fought so hard for a country that never really fought for him and and that is something that I always admired greatly about him um I can remember once him you know, I went to a very small school in, in Oklahoma, Northeast Oklahoma, and so there were a lot of Native American children there. In fact, the, um, one of the last Native American Indian schools to close was there in Wyandotte, Oklahoma in the late, I do remember, I remember being in first grade, so it would have been in the early 70s, and um, you know, we can remember there were threats of riots and staying home and nothing happened. Everything went fine. But then those kids from the Indian school were riding the bus with me. And I said something about being Indian. And they looked at me and, and they, as the kids the same age as myself, in early elementary school, looked at me and said, you're not an Indian because your tribe doesn't exist anymore. Wow. Yeah. I was like, oh. Okay. And I remember going to my grandfather and saying something like that. And then he tried to explain it to me. And again, I'm, I'm young. I'm probably somewhere between the ages of six and eight. And I could tell that there was a part of him that was relieved that I wasn't seen as an Indian or a native American or Modoc, And there was a part of him that was really sad that I was not recognized as that. And it's, you know, I think it's a conscious choice that he made. He knew the language he knew the, some of the culture practices, but his greatest fear is that his his family would pay the price. And in fact, he had a younger brother, a kid brother, that died because he was an Indian that won a poker game against a white guy, and so he was shot. He was not fatally wounded, but he was left to bleed to death. And
0: so he bleed to death. So he they just let him bleed.
2: Yeah, they just left him there.
3: Wow.
0: And
2: so so that left my grandfather scarred, obviously, for life um, and his siblings you know. And so they just I think probably not vocally, but certainly at that point in their lives, when they looked and they were having kids and because, again, this was the baby of the family that this happened to. They looked at each other and he was I think he was 30. So, you know, at this point, the rest of the siblings have children. They just looked at each other like, oh, no you know, we will not own our heritage if this is what it, the cost is. Yeah.
0: The cost is rather high. If it means your life or your children's lives. I, um, I had come across some, some information there, um, showing uh, basically suggesting that around, uh, I think late 1800s, um, as things were kind of, uh, settling down and the, um, the, the ability for adapting had, um, had substantially kind of uh, accelerated for the, um, for the tribe members as uh, many of them kind of had to assimilate uh, as you were d- describing yeah. it, uh, learning the language, sending their kids to school. I mean um, the history is showing that they excelled very quickly um, in these areas. I suppose um, a lot they of it had to, to do.
1: They wanted yeah. to, uns- they wanted to unsavage them. You know, I, I, I grew up in Rockland County, New York, and there was a town in Rockland which was called Muncie. Muncie is a Native American was a Native American tribe, and their name was Munsai. The Munsai people, they were completely assimilated. They were completely wiped out, no remnants. And you know what they have in return? One, one historical piece. A holy rock. It's mm-hmm. called Indian Rock. They never destroyed it. They destroyed every single piece. Their cemetery, they built a mall on top of it. Wow. The Munster <laughs> people. Gosh. Their their monuments were all destroyed. And the only thing in Rockland County that's left from them is that one rock. So, so I you know, I sit here and I say, It's crazy how many tribes did not survive. Oh, yeah. They're gone. They're I, never coming back. And and you know, for me I'm like, I don't we wish that we could get that back? But the thing is the ones that have survived see how far they've gotten so far. And they keep pushing more forward.
2: Well, Just, you know, yeah. I mean we, we, I mean you've you've created st- survival of the fittest. It applies. You know, we're still here.
0: Right. Even, even in this sense, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's it's really remarkable. Um, it uh, reminds me of, uh, when you said rock, it reminded me of um, a part of the, the history of, uh, I guess, the border between California and Oregon, I guess it mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. Um, they had found rock art from the Modoc tribe, Dating back uh, some thousands of years, like fourteen thousand years, um, and uh, I was kind of curious about if any of this was still around. Where would they keep it? Are they? Um, are you familiar with uh, this uh, this part of the history? Do you know if it's on the reservation or within the communities or museums, anything like that?
2: Uh, you would probably. I think there is a museum in Klamath Falls, uh, Oregon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Klamath Falls, Oregon. And then there's also at the park ranger museum at the lava beds and they have some artifacts there. And, you know, and then there's just, I mean, it's funny. People think about this stuff and they're like, oh, this is valuable. This is an artifact. This is this, you know, but we're not talking about a dinosaur fossil people. This is somebody's grandmothers or great grandmothers or great 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 grandparents. Heirloom. It's it's from a it's it's a family heirloom, it's a basket that was made, it's a piece of art, it's a tool. And so those have been handed down from gener- generation to generation and families and, and probably still exist in that manner as well. It's not, you know, it's kind of it's it's a hard, it's a hard identity to settle because you know we're we're a very we're people. We're a culture where we're not um, we're not Hollywood. We're not the movies. we're not we're not a television show. we're not um we're not we're we're art in a in a very fantastic way, not a very sitcom way, not a very dramatic way, but we're art in a very spiritual way what what we do how we believe how we practice what you know i think that (laughs) i think native americans if you want to know somebody that plays the long game well go find yourself a native american and they'll wait decades to get what they need to get and do what they need to do yeah and i you know and i think that's that's probably the best way to describe native americans is we play the long game folks and if that means we wait generation to generation to generation, and we have to be recognized, then that's what we will do. And each generation will take the torch from the previous one and keep going until we get there. So if you want to describe the Native American community in any way, we play the long game. And you know we are very much survivors, whatever tribe you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and and everybody has a tendency to want to create a museum or a movie or something i don't know along the lines of a fantastical show of some sort but you know at the end of the day we are we are we're families we're generations and more or less just really want to quietly assume our place take take our place in this world in this country and keep going we're not looking for conquest we're not looking for um supremacy we're just you know we're just here to take our
1: place no but you
2: know the
1: truth though is i mean you're fighting for land it's your land Oh, sure. It doesn't belong to the U.S. government. It, it's Native American land. I, you know, I've told this to Mike, and I've said this so many times on the podcast. People do not realize Native Americans have been around for over 12,000 years. Okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're one of the only known people in modern civilization in the past 20,000 years, okay, that have lasted for 12,000 years. <laughs> mind blown it's yeah. crazy yeah
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and still around and still, still, going. Around. And still going
2: and still going and still going yeah still going and and just yeah no, still going strong still here still intend to keep going um yeah. oops sorry it's all right <laughs> you're gonna get some background noise now um no we are we are we're just we're here, and and they may get ugly calls from friends if they hear this. I don't, I don't know that we're even trying to take back. I mean, yes, there are there are lands that were promised to us and then were taken from us illegally, and I do think that that deserves to be reviewed. That it deserves to be settled fairly and squarely. Um, and we are doing that, but at the same time, we're not just our goal, not saying that that we're all, you know, we haven't all got halos on our heads or anything, That, but our goal is to take our upcoming tribal members, to take the future generations, to take posterity to a place, and, you know, I feel like that's what my generation's responsibility is right now, is to bridge that gap from having to hide from being an Indian, and now being able to own being a Native American, I shouldn't say Indian, I get slapped on the head for that one, but You know, and and bring that together that we're not, you know, we're not, it's not an uprising. It's not that. It's just, it's okay to say, it's okay to look up the Modoc word for, you know, house. It's okay to look up the Modoc word for grandmother and learn it and use it now. But I was born in the 1960s and there was a Native American child scoop in the 1960s. And I never really, I never put those two together until very recently. And I was rereading some things and I thought about that and I thought, you know, I can't, I have a granddaughter that's three years old and I can't imagine the fear I would have if I knew that was happening and my granddaughter was carrying around a card that said she was Native American. And I, you know, and then that was, I could just imagine the fear of my grandparents and their and their siblings that had grandchildren and thinking, you know, oh my God, what happened? How did we get here again?
0: Right, again, in so many ways after a century. Yeah,
2: yeah. It wasn't and at that point, you're not even, you know, it's not even trying to. It's not even missionaries. It's it's just the federal government scooping up children and saying, let's fix you. What's wrong with being brown and Indian? Um, but there was there was a time where that was a problem. Um,
0: right and then uh, and then of course you you also had to deal with locals right I yeah i mean that's the government and then you have locals with uh, uh with their you know with their own views and um very much like what happened to um your grandfather's brother uh just unfortunate uh but probably so many cases like that too so many stories very similar to that um that, Weren't necessarily relating to government, but just people, you know, people doing horrible things to um, to other Native Americans that uh, at that period of time, because they felt like they could and that they could get away with it.
2: I think there was probably some fear. I mean, you know, if you just want to dumb it down a whole lot, it, there's there's still that fear. I think there's still a very much a cowboys and Indians sort of friction going on yeah. in the world today. Um, You know, and I don't know how to fix that. You know, I think that I think that efforts have been made. I know that, you know, the federal government has gone from trying to take the Indian out of children to reinforcing their culture just because of the programs like Johnson O'Malley and Title VII, which I think now is called Title VI. But there is an encouragement there to keep that culture alive in 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 the public school system.
1: But honestly, think about it at what cost. See the thing about think about the <laughs> well, US
2: the, think about the, the US the government is, is yeah, the, the cost is is that the federal government gives money to the schools for it. So the schools are like, Yeah, let's, you know, let's let's have a Native American student day and let's have a Native American student program because we're going to get some money in our general fund. And that's not all bad. That's fantastic. That's wonderful. But are you really supporting the culture? Or are you supporting the check you're getting because of the culture?
0: Probably more probably the, the second one, yeah, <laughs> yeah. more absolutely. the latter than.
2: But but it's happening. You know, sometimes things come in some lousy wrapping, but they still they still make their way through. So, um, and I will say, in the school systems that I have worked in in the, worked with in the area, just with my kids being in school, it, it, there's been some very genuine effort, and then then there's been some very backhanded comment effort. But but it's there, and you have to take. You have to take opportunity and make the most of it. And sometimes you can make a diamond out of a piece of coal and sometimes you can't, um, but you have to try and you might, you know, you just see how far you get.
0: Right. Yeah. You might be surprised. I mean, mm-hmm. very much like where we are today, uh, which kind of leads me to uh to a question I, I, I am always curious about relating to um, the youth within the tribe currently. I mean, um, is there a lot of effort? Uh, is there any kind of pushback from the children within uh, within the community that feel like, why do I have to learn this? Or I don't want to learn this? Any type of, you know, any type of attitude of that sort? Or is it all positive somewhere in the middle? Can you speak about that?
2: I think, well, Let's let's look at it this way. I'm in my late fifties and my kids are in their early to late twenties. And they're everywhere from genuinely interested in learning more about the tribe to not really understanding what it has to do with anything. Um, Because I don't have a whole lot of culture to to pass on to them. Um, Now, that being said, they're very interested in the family and what the family has to offer. And I, so I think that that's a better, you know, it's as good a representation as we have right now is that um, we're a tight knit family and we don't have, we don't yet, you know, we're not perfect. We have our flaws, but we're a tight knit family. So I think that, I think it's a little bit of all over the place to be honest with you. It depends on the kids. It depends on their friends. It depends on their exposure. It depends on social media and what they see, you know. Um, Do you know if I if I throw on a bandana, am I am I an Indian or a cowboy? And, you know, it's just (laughs) I don't know. Uh, They're kids and as much as and especially in today's culture. Where there is so much social media influence, where they I mean their their very identity is coming to them faster than they can absorb it. They're on their phone and their computer and whatever else that they've got going, it, that to take something as genuine as a family history and a family tradition and an ancestry, and to try to give that as much credence as what's on social media, that's hard to do right now.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and so th- they re- they really are having a tough time interpreting that. I think all generations are. They're trying. They're trying very hard. But the information about tribes is very minimal compared to the information about vaping or um,
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> cop.
2: Coffee or, you know, whatever the the new tea thing is that they're doing, the bobas or whatever that is. Kombucha. Kombucha. Yeah. And I'm like, well, okay. (laughs) So if I can get them to have a conversation about ancestry, you know, that's it's tough because, again, well, you know, we've moved on to things. um, For instance, we don't really we don't gather at the cemetery anymore every two weeks because we reached a point where that core group of people were, we just were too old to keep doing that. And so we had some federal funding and we put the cemetery in a perpetual care trust. So there's always going to be money there to take care of the cemetery, which is great, but you lost your tradition at the same time. Right. You know, so those, my kids don't, uh, my oldest understands that she remembers going out to the cemetery, but my younger two don't have any recollection of that. They have vague, they, they were but they weren't there near as often as my oldest was. I, you know, to, to me that's one of the best memories I've got in my childhood is just sitting out there in the sweltering Oklahoma heat. And and you know, I wasn't old enough to run a mower, so they give me the scissors, and that's what you weed eat with. <laughs> <laughs> there weren't a lot of weed eaters in in the in that time. And, and you know. And we worked hard and we just had a good time. So the, I think the upcoming generation, they're looking. And that's what I think our, my generation has to do. So we have to really prepare ourselves to present something to them because they do catch us off guard. They do say, well, you know, so, for instance, I have a three-year-old granddaughter and, and my daughter asked me, well, what's the Modoc word for grandma? Like, I have no idea. I'll have to look that one up. And then I had to figure out how to say it so we we aren't prepared to pass something on and that's that's where we have to get and, and and I think that we are looking hard at that as as we are looking at our kids and our grandchildren and going how how do I pass something on to you because we again we had that family orientation that was very much tribally oriented we just didn't know it at the time because it just fear of acknowledging being a tribal member truthfully and so we remember our elders and we remember all of those things um but that was hard to translate into today's world um covid right. did not help anything you know, <laughs> you
0: know? not it's, for anybody
2: no it, no it, it's kind of
1: it's kind of odd i mean I grew up in a... You know, my father was from the Middle East. My father was from Morocco. My father was very about his culture. And, you know, unfortunately, he passed away from COVID. And my dad fought for this country. My Mm -hmm. dad loved the country. He loved immigrants. He loved pitching into his community. And this country let him down and killed him in return. And... You know, I can kind of with your, you know, with your grandfather. I had the same thing with my dad. It's where He put in so much into this country, and he gave him nothing in return. Mm-hmm. But he, he wanted to be that American, and when you have all of that history and culture, and for me, it's also, you know, family was a very big thing, and that tight knit, where family is your companions. It's the people that you. Talk with it's the people that you eat at festivals with it's the people that are around you when you're when things happen, you wish that they didn't. The
0: people, Uh yeah, the people you can rely on.
2: Well, the support system, yeah.
0: I mean, that's what families are supposed to be. It's nice to know that, uh, that there's at least those thoughts, and uh, in turn, uh, the current generation trying to figure out, well, do we prepare to uh, to be able to pass on to the kids who are growing up that someday might begin to ask questions as to like, where, you know, where did we come from exactly? What, you know, what is this history outside of the language? I mean, it could be tradition. It could be, uh, religion. It could be, um, the, the culture of, uh, day in and day out. Uh, they are tough questions to answer. And, um, I can only imagine the difficulty of how do you how do you present this but uh, being able to spark that interest even the slightest of sparks uh, because uh, as we do so much research in this area and you know the topic for this season this mini uh, mini series it is native american tribes the uh, the cultures the history the the, uh, the background, um, the way of life, uh, virtually everything that has been forgotten, um, and in a lot of ways, it's sad because the the motives of the U.S. government of at that time, from let's say 1800s to 1900s, um, were damn near successful in what they were trying to do. Right the the mm-hmm. the goals were to eradicate or completely assimilate, uh, one or the other there, you know, and it's in some ways, it seems like they were quite successful because what we're seeing is, uh, just as you've described, there's a fear, uh, let's say through the forties to the seventies and, and the eighties, uh, a fear of even representing the culture that you're a part of. Um, and then of course, through that, what did we have? We had the the later generations. A lot of these kids being born that um, aren't really familiar with it, and it saddens me because there's so much rich history here, uh, mm-hmm. much like much like any other country has of their natives. Like there's just so much beauty of uh, the cultures that once existed, and we just don't know enough. We don't know enough about any of
2: them, really. No, they really don't. Well, you're look, you know exactly what you're saying. I mean, you look at. Our country, the United States, and and it's a conquered country. It, it you know, but everybody. It's funny because you don't, you don't really, you know, when you're a kid and you pass your history test and your, you know, civic civic government test and all that stuff, you don't you don't really think about it until you get older and you start putting pieces together. But you know, the Pilgrims weren't. Lovely little nuclear families that came and settled this country. <laughs> they were they were the people nobody wanted, <laughs> and they stuck them on a boat and they said wherever you land, best of luck. Um, so yeah, no, you get you get you get people. So then you obviously have very um, strong, ill-willed, uh, physically and mentally and emotionally frightening people. Coming into a land of of mostly peaceful folks, I mean, let's let's be honest. Native American tribes had conflicts among each other; they didn't always all get along. Right. But but that's you know this country wasn't settled by the simple you know missionary trying to better the world with nothing but God's peace in mind, and it wasn't settled by nuclear families, mom, dad, and a bunch of kids. And shaking hands with whichever tribe they could find. That's not true. That's not what that's not how people started arriving here. People started arriving here because they were criminals and the jails were crowded and they shoved them all on a boat and said, Good luck, let's let's see what you do out there. Well, yeah. You know, if you load up the mafia and send them to, to, to a land where there's people that can't oppose them, they're pretty much gonna take over. Nothing against Italians, mind you. Um, but if you, if you take a boatload of bad guys and tell them yeah but you know see what you can do they're 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 not going to make peace
0: right they're uh, going to take
2: right and, yeah and they're
0: going to take by force yeah,
2: yeah. they about... don't have it's not a spiritual it's not a, it's not a spiritual experience across the <laughs> <laughs> think think about nah. think about
1: Manhattan Manhattan yeah. was bought by uh, by settlers i think it was like 25 beads i don't I remember some thing that i remember in history and They just gave up their island. So, you know, you have now Manhattan. It has like, what, two million people that are living there. And then you scratch your head and you realize this is Native American land.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And there's Native American history underneath. All of that. All of that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure whoever the tribal leader was that took that purchase, some of his wife probably didn't let him back in the house for a while. But, you you know, the... It, you just have to put things in perspective. We can't rewrite history, and we shouldn't rewrite history, or we'll never learn from it. Yep. Things happened in in a very poor and, and horrifying way. Um, you know, for the Modocs, they were very who. Who would have ever thought the United States Calvary would show up at the lava beds of Northern California and and conquer a people who lived off the land? And and just were nomadic. You know, they went fishing. They went hunting. They went gathering. Pretty much left everybody. Why? Why did the U.S. Cavalry need the lava beds? But they did. They took it. And you know, then you fast forward a little bit, and you're in a, a POW camp, and your three leaders, your spiritual, political. Um, leaders of the tribe are hung before your eyes and decapitated, and so you know what—that'll shut you up for a while. That'll 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 make you think twice about voicing your opinion.
0: I think that's exactly what happened, just based on some of the reading I did. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember his name was it? Uh, it was something, Jack.
2: Captain the, Jack. The,
0: the Captain, yeah. Um, <laughs> he was hung in front of everybody. Uh, some of their, um, uh, some of the other members were, were to be hung too, but uh, at some point there, uh, there, I guess there was a change of heart or a change of sentence midway. They had to watch. I mean, sure. And from that light reading, it uh, suggested that uh, many of the, the community members just, um you know, took that as a sign and they began to adjust slowly, but surely. I mean, from there, I think uh, from, uh, the, the Klemeth area, they were forced to move by train to the Kansas area. I think some um, horrible stuff happened there too.
2: Oh yeah. yeah no, no, not that it was none of it. It was not a luxurious relocation program. Uh, no, they, you know, they, when, when you say they were put on a train, they were put on cattle cars, you know, right. they, were sh- they were shackled and they weren't given food. They weren't given water. They weren't given blankets. Um, they were just shackled. They got on a train. And those that lived, great. Those that didn't, we got thrown off the train, basically. It,
1: you know, isn't it odd on how the U.S. hated Hitler and fascism? <laughs> they hated Nazi <laughs> Germany. Yeah, is, yeah. But they, they were Hitler, they were experimenters. We had concentration camps. America did the exact same thing 30, 40 years ago before. You know what? I'm going to be the person that's going to say this, and I could be completely off. I think Hitler got the idea for concentration camps from America.
2: Well, it makes sense, yeah. Probably, yeah. yeah, yeah. Probably.
0: I mean, um, uh, it's it's also true that uh, we we did fund uh, Germany for a while too. So, right.
3: Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I mean, it, that is what it is. Um, I. I tend to believe these days as I kind of look back into the past and look at the present and project to the future that uh, much of what goes on around the world and uh, the leadership around the world follow exactly the same tactics that uh, our um, U.S. government has, uh, has used for a long time, uh, whether it's excursions or, uh, you know, entering lands that they don't really belong in for one reason or another. I mean, it's... Uh, uh, same tactics same same motives uh, different stories so this, this is why i say like we haven't changed much you know even from that period of time 200 100 years ago um, you know uh, you said you're about 500, 500 members now do you know if, uh, if everyone is living within oklahoma or are they kind oh, of no. spread out spread, spread out, out
2: to, Okay spread
0: out. and um i mean I, I imagine this is probably obvious but uh people did marry out side of um their their culture too right so it wasn't just um people of uh the community marrying with with each other so there was a lot of crossbreeding and
2: yeah you right? mar- yeah you yeah, you know I mean uh yeah when some I can remember when I was probably i don't know maybe in my early teens and starting to think about dating and some I've having a conversation with a friend who I think was from another tribe. And we were just talking about, well, you know, who would you marry? What would you do? And I said, well, you know, that's, fu- that's funny. That's funny. I remember this conversation. Cause now I remember who it was with and she was a, a member of another tribe. And I said, she goes, well, what if you married somebody in your tribe and you, know, you, could, you could grow the Murdoch tribe? And I said, I think that that's not a good idea. Cause I only know family. <laughs> and she, uh-huh. said to, she, she goes, Oh, well, you're right. That's not a good idea. <laughs> So, you know, at that time, again, we were still less than 100 people at that time. But yes, as as obviously what has happened is that, um, you know, we married into other tribes, I mean, and that's just, that was um, inevitable. You know, we didn't, uh, same as, as people from another country coming to the United States and settlers marrying uh, Native Americans. Uh, with that, that opportunity just didn't present itself, and then when it did, it obviously transpired into something. Um, right. So yeah, there were i mean, you were, there's plenty of of that that exists in all tribes, and uh, and it's hard to find a solid bloodline anymore. And because one, we're human, and you know, you want a teenager to date the wrong person, tell them to date somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh. or the, or the you know, not the person of the parents choosing, let me put it that way, not necessarily the wrong person. It's you know it's just and we intermingled. I mean, we've learned a lot from each other. There's um, even just through competition, I mean powwow competition these days, there's a lot of education there that has has brought back to life a very important tradition. You know, the powwow is now a a, a, com- a competitive sport among Native Americans. Um, you know lacrosse comes from stickball Native American stickball, and that's come that's really moving a, a bigger movement. so yeah you know your your cultures mix and and the the trick here is to go ahead and and know that that's going to happen and accept it and yet preserve your ancestry and your heritage um yeah, and that's not easy to do, you know. That's no. not easy to do, especially one that you know was likely to get you shot, right? But you know, it, it's
1: it's crazy because in the '70s, you started seeing this thing of interracial. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, my parents married in the '70s are interracial. My mom is European. My dad is Middle Eastern. You know, in a way, it is. You're not having a pure blood, but the thing is, now you have two cultures. They continue on together.
2: And, and you know, sometimes that can actually be complicated too. There are, you know, yeah. there are there are families where, you know, you're from one tribe, I'm from another tribe, a Native American tribe. And then there's the, you know, let's say um, a couple of them, husband is from one Native American tribe, or the wife is from another Native American tribe, and they have children. Well, all of a sudden, the grandparents are going, well, I want your children to be on my role. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it's like, well, how many kids do we have to have to make this even? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) At what point is this okay that you got, you know, you know, and so that's hard. There's that um, because no, no tribe wants to lose their posterity. And, you know, that's, that's even a real complication today It's very real complication of, you know, tribal marrying Um, and and, and people learn to reconcile that usually peacefully, not always, but usually peacefully. Um, And a lot of times, and and nowadays, as the kids become adults, they can pick which tribe they want to affiliate with so that your children are actually able to say, well, I know you raised me Modoc, but I think I'd rather identify as Cherokee. Okay, well, that's fine. You can do that. Now, some tribes will allow you to change once but usually that's it and some tribes will allow you to change more than once but that's very rare so you have to really think about that and that's hard to get your children to pick which heritage are you going with here
0: and I suppose that uh, that has a a lot to do with uh, what they you know what it may resonate you know what may resonate with them as well you know from one culture to another I mean from from the teachings of uh, the history books which are not great. They're not the, they're not the best, um, they're not the best uh, information or source of information, but no, we teach, we not. teach our kids anyways. Uh, but uh, what we have seen is that um, natives have always been um, for the most part, people of the land, uh, survival, adaptation, uh, th- things like that. Um, so beyond that, it's, trying to understand what each tribe really is about. So it would be hard for kids to have to choose. um, Well, you know, why the, why the strict um, rules about changing uh, one time or even more than one time? What's the, uh, what's the cause of concern for the the tribe, tribal leaders?
2: Um, I think sometimes it's, it's, their concern is, are you doing it for financial gain or are you doing it for genuine ancestry reasons, heritage reasons? Because, you know, there are tribes with better benefits than others. Well, and,
0: such as what? I'm, um, I've never heard it, this before.
2: Education, education benefits, even burial benefits. Um, well, but, I mean, tribes aren't. Flat broke anymore, by and large. I mean, they have some source of revenue, and so some tribes will, you know, may, a tribe may offer uh, daycare assistance for one thing. Some tribes can offer daycare assistance, you know, and and then and another tribe may not offer daycare assistance, or another tribe may offer more daycare assistance. You know, it, it depends on the tribe and how they develop and what their focus is. And none of this is bad. I mean, I'm Modoc. I utilize Cherokee Nation Health Services because it's open to all tribal members. And to be honest with you, this is the best health care I've ever gotten in my life.
0: But that's how healthcare should be. Right. Should, yeah.
2: I mean, it should be. Well, OK, yeah. then. Yeah. And going down that road, you know, <laughs> if you want to just talk a little bit about healthcare, Native American health care is they are so much better at preventive medicine because they have such a limited amount of resource to spread out among their folks. So they have to keep these, our people, the Native Americans really need to stay as healthy as possible because there's only so much money to go around. Fascinating. It's truly a healthcare system. Now you go out into the private sector, doctors don't make money. Hospitals don't make money. If you're healthy. If you're healthy. Exactly. That's a a sick care system, not a healthcare system.
0: I mean, and they sure do make a lot of money. Most of it's subsidized in one form or another.
2: Yeah. Well, I, you know, my background is in nursing and I, and I will say it is hard work. I mean, that, that, that is not is. to take away. Yeah. It is not to take away no, from it It's is, not. It's hard work.
0: Oh, but I it, mean, but I mean, for a lot of you, it's understandable the late hours, the crazy schedules. Well,
3: sure. Sure. Yeah.
0: It is hard work. Yes. But at the very top, right. Where, where, where the money is made from insurance companies to uh, right. hospitals, like right. that's, that's what we're speaking about as a generalization. Forgive me for cutting you off. If no, you're you fine. Con- you're
2: fine.
0: You want to continue fine. what you were saying.
2: No, no, I know you you make it. No, that's true. I would agree with you. And and again, I, I'm fine with people making money. Make your bonus. That's fine. But be aware of how you're making it. Be aware of the decisions that you're making and the impact that you're making on somebody. Don't Don't tell me that I need or do not tell a a hospital and its employees that they need to use this kind of glove or this kind of mask or that kind of whatever piece of equipment. Because that's what you've agreed to a contract on and then not listen to them when they say it isn't working. That it's a, it's a, that it's a, you know. It's not a reliable piece of equipment. It's not a reliable supply. It's not a reliable resource of any sort. Yeah, you know, great. You you get a great deal on a ventilator. Or you get a great deal on gloves, or you get you know get a great deal on bed sheets. That's fine. But do they work?
1: Yeah. Are
2: you is that as I mean? Are you giving people less? Are you giving people less than what they need to get the job done right?
0: You know the the co- the cause of concern there is really just the you know as i've always wondered like okay who is the supplier is it are you related to the supplier in some way that that, <laughs> right. that, the, that you've struck this contract with that uh uh that uh, you're so eager to like push forward with even though they these things aren't as effective as they should be so that there's just there there are these moments of conflict of interest uh they're not always that visible uh, we only find out after the fact, if really ever. So there, there are those scenarios that um, are unavoidable. There's a lot of nepotism, um, yeah. oh sure, in, in, in a lot of these uh, industries uh, just across across the world.
1: Yeah, well, it, yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, especially when you look at pills. Pills is like the big thing. There's a pill, you know, if you're depressed. There's a pill for this. There's a pill for that. And it's so interesting, like when we're talking about Native American, we also have to talk about Native American healing. There Mm -hmm. are a lot of natural even cannabis. You know, America well, Nixon. I'm not gonna spit, but anyway (laughs) uh, He, you know, wanted to destroy as much of that as possible. And you look throughout the culture and you realize a lot of these natural things that grow on the ground that Native Americans found out how they work and what are their properties are better for. You. This is crap, but to blow people's mind right now, they're better for you than pills.
2: What? Oh my god!
1: You know, it's just.
2: More- well, yes, there's there's a whole lot more to being healthy than taking a pill, and 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 that's just the culture of you know started. We we we've just convenience we don't want to give me a pill give me a surgery give give me a moment that turns my life around and i'm all about it well <laughs> wouldn't, we, wouldn't we all be yeah and that would be fabulous but but healing is an investment it's and it's and it's a time consuming lifetime investment you know um, i'd love to have taken a pill at the age of 20 that kept me in the shape that I was in at the age of twenty. It would have been fabulous, but that's not how life works. And, and in every day, you make a decision a minute that affects your life, whether you want to admit that or not. That's up to you. But what you right. eat, what you what you breathe, what you smoke, what you think, what you do—you know—none of us operate in a bubble. And, I, and unfortunately, I think that it, as a as a culture, we've We've kind of, as a country, as a people, as a, as a place and time and history, we've come to think that we operate in a bubble or, and that bubble is about me and whoever I want in that bubble with me and whatever I do with us affects nobody else, nowhere else, end of conversation because that's, that's how I've created my world. Well, you know, that's not realistic. You know, the things that we do, that we teach, that we send out the information that we give our kids and send them out into the world with, that stuff lasts forever. That's going to go to the next generation. So your bubble isn't here. It's not contained. There's not there's not a controlled atmosphere here. You're going to take the people in your bubble and you're going to teach them something, and you're going to create a belief system in them. And that is that belief system productive or destructive and when they leave your bubble does it work out there does it create hardship or does it create fellowship what are you doing and and again i really feel like that comes back to a, to a native american culture that the native american never operated in a bubble that everything you know, what little I know about the teachings, what little I've learned, it was all about we're all in this together, you know, or, and if they didn't believe that, they wouldn't have, there wouldn't be stories of um, settlers coming in and being offered food and shelter. They did take people in. Was it to their detriment? Yes. Does, does, does that still happen today? I can tell you that I'd have yet to go into a Native American home where people weren't welcome. You know, now do they exist? Yeah, it's, you know, we're not Puritan. Um, so, coming all the way back around to this, I think the Native American culture is about an appreciation for the the big picture. That. that um, we have we have an earth, we have its contents, and we have um, a heaven, and we have you know that higher power, whatever you, you choose to call it, and God given dogs that make a terrible racket. <laughs> 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 um, but, but, but those things all exist for a reason and, and a purpose. And it's up to us to do our best to take care of that. And and I do think that that is is the Native American culture, is how do you make this work? What do you do to take care of this earth? What do you do to take care of your ancestors? What do you do to take care of your elders? What do you do to take care of your children? Um, And that's, no matter what tribe I've ever made friends with, that's the consistent theme. Unspoken, but always the consistent theme of what's the big picture here. Who's in need and what can we do about it? Yeah. And it's never, I have never found within this culture, a self-preservation philosophy.
0: Right. Like just me and Mm -hmm. all that matters is me. It's about the whole. And I mean, uh, that, that belief or the, um, the ideology is um, seeded from early days of being tribal because you only have each other. And when, and when you have outsiders coming onto your land and having to uh, fend off other tribes who tr- try to poach, uh, that's, that's inevitably that feeling or idea was, uh, was started such a long time ago out of uh, a type of necessity. But I feel like in, mo- in present day, it, it has become something um, m- much more meaningful, Right. With everything that you've described, from yeah. uh, from family and community to uh, uh, to the the bigger picture of everything, uh, and that's kind of a beautiful evolution of from where it began to where it is today. And I I can imagine that it's very likely to be the same uh, for any culture of people around the globe. If we go back far enough, um, I think if we asked any specific culture uh, as of now, most would probably agree with what you're saying to be true even about uh where you know what their backgrounds are like or what their beliefs are about. Um
2: yeah I I think so. I think that I I I would say I mean if you were to talk to the Irish, they would they would have a lot of similar stories and concerns and experiences. And you know for the for the and and Maybe even the same way, because, I, you know, I think for the Native American culture, we're all sort of tiptoeing into owning who we are. And sometimes it goes pretty good. Sometimes it does not. <laughs> <laughs> and even in this day and age. Right. Um, you know perfect example you know do you want to do business with me because you think i'm a good business person or do you want to do business with me because i'm native american and you want the native american advantage which one is it and most of the times it's more about the native american advantage than i really think you're a great person to go into business with
0: i mean that's but that that is a human characteristic for that is sure. a human characteristic yeah. yeah you
2: know and so you do have to you you have to and. You have to weigh it out, then it becomes that Native American's responsibility to say, "Okay, you may actually be a really good person to go into business with, but then i you know I have to make sure that we have terms and conditions that are agreeable to both sides, so the Native American culture has learned to become business savvy in in a culture that didn't even want us to know how to read write read and write right
0: yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a it's quite it's quite um disturbing i mean that's the best Word I can come up with uh, in a in a pinch uh, when I look at how often these treaties were broken, I uh, I think of the treaty that was introduced by uh, one of the first um, tribe agents for um, Modoc uh, and um, and Ulysses S. Grant and in Congress uh, completely ignored it, which honestly seemed like a pretty damn good deal for both sides, but. It just they wouldn't have it. And what they came out with, I think, in 1860 was just um, quite evident that they cared not about anybody's needs other than their own.
2: Well, they had a goal. Right. Uh, They had a goal and they had something they wanted to accomplish. And, you know, they give the they they can give a hell of a speech, (laughs) but do they deliver and they can give a hell of a contract. But when you're the federal government, do you really have to follow through?
0: No. Right, right, right. Especially with small numbers that uh, that just don't have the resources, and um, it's that's why it's so disturbing. And that's a a lesson of where we are today and how much um, how much of that business savvy that needed to be absorbed by these communities uh, and, and the various tribe leaders, uh, learning from the past that. We've gotten screwed again and again and again uh, with horrible, horribly written treaties, no Mm -hmm, follow throughs. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it's understandable. And it, you kind of need that. Any organization would need that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and and, yeah, I mean, and, and you can actually pin that on the whole human species. I mean, we're just, it's not necessarily a native American thing. I mean, um, right. Where there's, it's a very dog eat dog world, like it or not. Um, and I think that is something that the Native American culture has really had to learn how to deal with. That, that does not, it was not necessarily our, didn't come easy to us. You know, it wasn't second nature.
0: Makes me wonder how um, one or all the tribes would have advanced in their. Cultures, if there wasn't so much oppression through through those uh, specific centuries, like where where would they have been now if uh, it didn't turn out that way? Of course, we can't change the past.
2: Right. I would like to know. I, I often have wondered that myself. Where would where would be be today if the if the United States hadn't been settled the way it has been settled and been the United States if it had just you know been all of the tribes left to grow in their own way. Um, what, what would we be today? And I'd really be curious. You know, would we have still just fought among each other and conquered each other to the point that there would have been a Native American, an you know, a Native American federation? I don't know.
0: And, I mean, and or would have you know if that infighting would have spilled outwards to nearby populations, where once again sure. federal government would yeah, step but, in once once more to yeah. But you
1: know something, look at th- this is one thing we I don't think we have touched up on is Inca and Aztec. Mm-hmm. The Inca and Aztec were the native tribes in central Central America, and they were completely wiped out. Like to the bone. Yeah. And the issue with them was is that it wasn't about the fighting, it wasn't about, you know, conflict. It was about the fact that they genuinely believed that the Spanish was there for them. And they, oh, were, yeah. That's they fair. were so yeah. they were so blind by the time they realized what was going on, they were completely Christianized. They were all assimilated. And constant change to the point where it was unrecognizable anymore of who they were. So you have to say to yourself, how would a culture like that would have survived in a world like ours today? Reality is, it might have turned out kind of the same, but unfortunately might have been Native Americans against Native Americans.
2: Well, And I think that was inevitable. I mean, That did happen. You know the the reality is is that actually was part of the Native American culture was fighting, fighting and 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 uh, and albeit even enslaving other tribes. Truthfully, in fairness, just you know, at the end of the day, we're still talking about humans, right? Um, So again, we're we're trying to take the positive parts of our culture and put some energy into them um and and giving that to our kids in, in a you in know in a global world where you just you know the news too fast um you know the bad news faster than you know the good news and and hoping that they could kind of take that and do more with it than we were able to um and, and hopefully not make some crazy mistakes, um, because again, I get at, at the end of the day, we're still humans and humans have a tendency to be a little power hungry and ambition is great, it just has to be guided. Uh, and I feel like that the, what the Native American heritage brings to, uh, we can bring to our youth with that is is truly, is guidance. Guidance about respect for our planet, respect for each other. Um, and a desire, you know, there, again, I have nothing wrong with somebody making a living, making money, making good money. Good for you. Good, be you know, more power to you. But maintain decency while you're doing it. You know, if we've got a tribal, you know, if, if tribes, tribal citizens can go out there and be the next Apple, can go out there and be the next Google, Google can go out there and be the next whatever comes up in this in this digital world. That's great. Just remember where you came from. Yeah. Right.
1: And uh, I, you know. I think a good way to, to end the, to end the podcast, Gina, do you have any, you have any other thoughts, you know, for example, if anyone wanted to help out the tribe, you know, any, any, anything that, you know, can be a way that if people want, wanted to reach out, what would be the best way?
2: Ah, that's a good question. And I really, I don't know. Um, you know, I think that if there were um, other tribes that wanted that were feel like that they had something to share with us as far as culture, and uh, that would be helpful. Especially if there are people out there that know more, know something about the Modoc culture that has been forgotten. You know, that's that's something when we can we can find resources for educating our members. We can find resources for financially helping our members there's there are things we can do we we can we can create a revenue through businesses we can create a revenue through grants we can you know create a, re, a revenue through federal funding we can do that and and those are all wonderful things but what we can't what's the hardest thing to do is to revive tradition and to the point that we're really just kind of figuring out we're going to have to start some new traditions and go from there but there if there was somebody out there that had stories modoc stories that they wanted to share that that hasn't had the chance to share i think that's that's irreplaceable and something that you just can't put a price tag on um you know if somebody's out there that wants to you know Take the tribe and say, "Hey, if you've got any tribal members that want to become an intern in our program, and we own this company, and we are looking for engineers, or we are looking for doctors, or we are looking for—I don't care—baristas, whatever it takes. You know, Starbucks wants to train a tribal member, go for it. Um, entrepreneurs, you know, those those are great. Those are those are advantages because I, I would like to see our culture." have that opportunity to just go out there and you know again you're taking you're taking the quality of what i feel like at the end of the day when i when i see the tribal members i see good people i see perseverant people i see honest people i see hard-working people and if and if they were allowed to take those qualities and put them in the whatever area of interest they may have for making a living or a career, um, that's, that's, tell, find me an employer today that isn't looking for that in an employee. You know, pick up any article about uh, finding people to come to work and staying there. You know, I, it, I think we have a culture of people that are
3: what the world is looking for. So we
2: just need to put it to work.
3: Wow I think
0: that's probably one of the best uh, best answers uh, we've heard um, r- relating to that actual request or question you know for those um, for those you know those that may still have access or information on the Modav tribe stories and the like. Um, by far one of my favorite answers, Thank you so much for taking the time to come on and working with the schedule that we had. It's been such a pleasure. Thank um, you for
2: having me. I appreciate it. Appreciate it.
0: Um, we're going to go ahead and link uh, some information down below in the description. Uh, there is a uh, a website that people can check out. And, um, you know, with that, we're going to catch you guys on the next one.
2: Okay. Thank you. You guys have a great night.
0: You as well. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.
1: All right, guys, we have reached that time in our podcast.
0: This has been great. It has been fun, and we got lost in the groove.
1: So stay tuned. Every Tuesday, be sure to check out a new episode of Lost in the Groove. It premieres about 2 a.m. in the morning, and our other channels, Sham Bam with Mike and Dave, which is our Patreon podcast, and our extra special The Shindig Variety Show, our YouTube podcast.
0: Links will be down in the description box so you can vote for what topic we cover next season.
1: And what other kind of content or new ideas and stuff we have to offer. Thank you guys so much for watching. Catch you guys in the next one.